0: Car, piano, sound booth, Cajon, just wherever, whatever you need. Yeah. How
1: many times I get sick? Not in public. No, I've never played tuba. I don't know if no one no I can't play tuba. There's
2: limits to our usefulness, for sure. Well, good morning. We could try to do better. I'm not Pastor Aaron. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Glad you're here this morning. Speaking of Pastor Aaron, he and Nicole are on vacation, and I think they're down in Mexico on the Baja Peninsula. So you could pray for them and ask God to bless them while they're away from us. Uh, For those of you that are new, my name is Mike Cooper. I'm the senior pastor at College Heights, and we are blessed that you're here. And if you're not new, we're still blessed that you're here. So let's go over a few announcements and then we'll worship the Lord. Uh, Several things coming up. Uh, Easter is just a couple of weeks away. And so every time we head into our Easter season, uh, I just really encourage you to be praying, not only that God would do a work in our lives so that we'll remember, right? It's important to remember. What a uh, to to me, Easter is the holiest day that we have of the year for us as Christians to celebrate not only Christ's death but His resurrection. And so, really a big time for us to remember and celebrate. But we also want to we also want to pray for our city, and we want to be able to take the gospel into our city. And so, each year we put together some some little cards that have College Heights information on it. They're nice enough that you can hand out to friends or family members or neighbors or coworkers, and those cards are out in the hallway. Please pick those up. We put them in packs of 10, and so you can take one, two, or 10, take whatever you want. I think we have a few thousand of those, so please take those and hand those out, but when you hand them out, please be sure to pray, Lord, let me be a blessing to somebody and be ready to maybe talk about Jesus with them and give them opportunity to come to know him. Also... On the 10th, we'll be going door-to-door doing some Easter invitations. We have some door hangers that we're going to take with us, and we want to share Christ with people as we go door-to-door in our city, and we've done that several times. We're going to continue to do that because uh, it is our call to take the gospel into the city and to our nation. So be in prayer about doing that with us, and come join us. We're also, we need some candy. We do an Easter egg hunt every year on the Saturday before Easter where we share the gospel with whoever comes, with the children, their parents. And so we'll be doing that on the Saturday before Easter. And we need candy to fill the little plastic eggs. So if you could bring those before the 13th, that would be great. Uh, We will also, by the way, need hard-boiled eggs for that. Usually we put out over 2,000 eggs combined with real eggs and and candy eggs and so we need a few but be sure they're (laughs) hard-boiled it's not that much fun (laughs) when they're not hard-boiled just so you know so please do that um newcomers lunch that's next sunday if you're new to college heights and would like to get to know us better uh we'd love for you to meet us in our small gym over there and we'll just talk about the church and get to meet the pastors and we get to meet you which is the best part so please join us for that Uh, Today, after this service, we'll have a Mexico mission trip meeting in this room right over here, number four. If you're thinking about going to Mexico, we need to know pretty much right now. So come if you have questions. If you have questions, see Pastor Rick, but just come to the meeting. That'd be great. VBS leadership meeting today at four. If you're on that leadership team or would like to be, you can see Pastor Max, but that'll be in the same room over here this afternoon at four. Men's prayer breakfast next Saturday up in our upper chapel at 730. Men, come. Come pray. Uh, it's not that early. It may be a Saturday morning, but you can make by 7.30. It's great fellowship, but the best part is prayer. So join us if you would. And then starting next Sunday during Sunday school, be, next Sunday in the 10th will be a new member Sunday school class. And so if you've joined College Heights and haven't gone through our new members class, you can come at this point in time. Or if you're thinking about joining, you're welcome to come. We'd love to have you. And finally, spring break is this week for the public schools, so we won't have a wana or the other kids' ministries on Wednesday night, but we will have a a group worship service in here. So no Bible studies, uh, just a group worship service in here from 6 to 7. Supper will be at 5, 6 to 7 in here. And I think that's enough. I think that's it. Oh, there's another little, I see mine fell out. It's just a schedule of activities for Easter that should be inside your bulletin. All right, let's stand and let's pray. Let's worship the Lord today. Heavenly Father, thank you for just the chance to be here together, to come together in the name of Jesus, to worship you for your glory. I'm just I'm just thankful that we can do that, but I'm thankful for Jesus. It's such a privilege, Lord God, to, to take this time for the next few weeks and think about your sacrifice for us on the cross and your resurrection, what it means, how powerful it is to those of us who do know you and yet the hope that it is for those who don't know you. And we just pray, Lord, because of your greatness and your goodness and your love for us that we would worship you today joyfully and thankfully and that we would open our hearts to your word. And I do pray, Lord, that you'll be blessed by it all. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: amen. I was undone last week by Matthew 26 and the words there. I'll take a look at them this morning. How when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this and said, why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. God just put several questions in front of my heart this week as I pondered this passage and this question of, will I worship a Price is high? Does my worship look to God first, or am I concerned about those around me? And then am I looking to do a good thing, a good deed to Jesus, as it says up there? The, I, I'm struck how even in Luke 7, when it's another, it's a different story, but there's the woman that washes Jesus' feet with her tears, and, and God says she, Jesus said, she showed love to me. And then the stark contrast in further down then one of the 12 named judas iscariot went to the chief priests and said what are you willing to give me to betray him to you and that question what will you give me as we worship god as we serve just looms like a, a jackal in the distance for me all the time threatening to come in as i serve in different ways and even in my quiet time in the morning what will you give me let's pray this morning god rip that question from us this morning as we sing before you this morning, as we pray, as we get in your word all acts of worship, may we be looking to you. May no price be too high for us this morning. And may, may we show you that we love you as a body of believers here this morning. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
1: When the music fades and all this strips away, I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your all about you, Jesus. Jesus, you are mercy. Jesus, you are justice. Jesus, you
3: has come Look upon
4: My name's Pastor Rick, and I'm ready for summer. I think it was supposed to be close to 70 today, right? Well, God is good to us. Today I'd like us to focus on our, our city. Let's pray for Casper, that uh, people would come to know Christ, that God would use us as a church to reach out to our city, to our people, and... Let's see, April 10th, we'll be going out in the afternoon, door to door. We want to hit a section of our city, uh, handing out tracts, talking with people, sharing the gospel with people, handing out New Testaments. So come be a part of that on April 10th. Let's pray that God will do a work in us first, that our light would shine before men, that they would see... Christ in us, and glorify our Father, which is in heaven. It's biblical. Let's pray together. Father, we just want to be a light for you. We just want to share. We want to be a part of what you're doing here in Casper. Father, there's so many lost. There's hurting people. There's a lot of need. There's a lot of arrogance. Help us, Lord. Help us to be a light for you, Lord. Help us to share with people truth. Sometimes truth will cost us something, Lord, but we, were fully committed, Lord. We want to follow you, and you have called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Father, use your church today. May we hear from you, hear from your word. As the scriptures are opened up to us through our pastor, I pray that you would use that powerfully in my life and, and the rest of the church. We love you, Lord, and thank you for all you're doing. Help us to show your light to a dark world, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Stand if you're able and let's read together as a body of believers out of the book of Psalms here together. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's bless the name of the Lord this morning.
1: Sing
2: under can head on our super church if you like and good morning once again <clears throat> so good to be here man it's such a great time of year to just talk about jesus and talk about what he's done with us or for us and, and quite honestly it's just the most glorious thing that god has ever done for us to send his son jesus to die on the cross for us it's sometimes uh sometimes a difficult thing right because when you think about the cross it's bloody and gruesome, you know, it's agonizing and humiliating and heartbreaking and, and wicked and deplorable. I mean, there's some, there's some ugliness about what we did to Christ that I think we ought to consider every now and then to, to realize kind of what he had to go through and why he had to go through that for us, but there's also no greater display of love. I mean, nothing compares to Christ's sacrifice on the cross when it comes to displaying love in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I need that. I need to know without any shadow of a doubt that he loves me because there's ups and downs in this world. And man, there's all kinds of things that make us doubt and wonder. We have hardships and strife and suffering and challenges and loss. Yet there's Christ just shining out. For us to know his love. Man, I I love that. And one of the craziest things that, that sticks out to me is that it had to happen that way. It had to happen that way. And we're gonna talk about that this morning. We're gonna see what the Bible says about things happening the way they did and realize that that this was no accident. This was no, you know, decision of man. This was no act of a mindless society. This was God. So turn to Matthew 26, and we'll begin reading at verse 20. Matthew 26, verse 20. <clears throat> so now when evening came. Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 disciples. As they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. Being deeply grieved that each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is good to be here today. It's good to pray, it's good to sing. It's good to be thankful. You're worthy of it all. But it's good, Lord God, to just look into your word as well and to to be reminded, Lord, that you had a will in this. You had a purpose in this. You were moving in this that you might save us. Help us, Lord, be people of worship and to be people who are thankful to be people who are humble. Help us to be people, Lord, who see who you are and how you lived and help us live like you and for you for your glory. And I do pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us and minister to us, each one where we are, and we'll give you thanks for it. Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah kind of mentioned the passage we looked at last week, and we, we really talked about the fact that Jesus had come to the place where he looked at his disciples and said, in two days, I'm gonna be handed over and be crucified. So things are tense. Things are, man, this is it. This is what Jesus was born for, right? But things are, man, they're heavy. This isn't some inconsequential time in the history of the world. This is the time in the history of the world. Nothing, nothing's more important in the history of the world than what's taking place here in Jerusalem a couple thousand years ago. And we, we remember, we read that Jesus said in two days I'm going to, be handed over and crucified, and about the same time it says that the chief priests had gathered together and were plotting how they could seize him by stealth and kill him, right? So God's moving things forward, and then we read about that incredible woman that while Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, how she brought this this alabaster jar of very costly perfume, it would have been about a year's wages, and she just opened it and just poured it over Jesus' head, and it ran down all through his the robes that he would have on all over his body. And it would have been such a intense smell that literally you could have probably smelled it all over the house and even outside of the house. And quite probably he would have had that fragrance, fragrance on him when he went to the cross and Jesus after the disciples had said, why didn't we just, you know, sell this and give it to the poor. Jesus defended this woman and said, you know, she's done a good deed for me. She's basically prepared my, my body for burial And really what it was, was this incredible statement about Christ saying, what I'm about to do on the cross is worth this extravagant worship, right? It's extravagant for such a good thing. It's the best thing. It's the greatest thing ever. And what a celebration would have been to think about Christ realizing that, man, what he was about to do, as hard as it was going to be and as brutal as it was going to be, man, it was this gift of life. For us, right? But then we talked about Judas also after he saw this extravagant worship man, he left and went immediately to the chief priests and said, what will you give me to betray Jesus? And how we saw these two different responses to Christ, right? I mean, there's plenty of people today still that when they hear about Jesus, man, they don't really... They don't want Jesus in their life. They don't want a savior in their life. They don't think they need a savior in their life. (coughs) Excuse me. But the the truth of the matter is, is that they actually hate Christ and they hate God. It's not, it's not just this simple, (coughs) sorry, (coughs) it's kind of been rough here lately. Glad there's nobody sitting too close up here. Try not to look your way, Aubrey. But uh, to think that that people rebel against God at this level—that says not only do I not want you, not only do I not want to believe in you, but I hate you. Man, we we don't really want to go there, and that's exactly where we do go when we reject Christ. And so Judas went and found out how much they'd give him. They said they'd give him 30 pieces of silver. In verses 17 through 19, we read that Jesus sent the disciples ahead and they prepared the place where they're going to eat the Passover meal. And then we come to verse 20 of chapter 26, and they're there. They're celebrating the Passover meal. And it would have been really a quite a holy and, and kind of a sacred day, I mean, they're remembering Christ, God's deliverance, if you will, from Egypt, where God not only delivered them from slavery after 400 years, but he actually saved them from the death angel, right, who was going to come and destroy all the firstborn, and if they hadn't sacrificed the lamb and put the blood over their doorposts, they would have, thank you, Max, they would have died like the Egyptians, and so God... It's clearly showing them a picture on this night, right, of the Passover lamb to save them from death and from slavery. And so they're there. It's a great celebration, but it's still, it's it's heavy for these guys. And then we read, and I find this to be shocking. As they're reclining at the table, it says, they were eating. As they were eating, he said, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. Now, I don't even know what that must have looked like at that moment. I can't really imagine. You know, here's 12 men at this time, including Judas, right? But these guys had left their homes. These guys had left their families. Uh, Peter had a wife, and yet he would follow Jesus all over the place. And so he would be away from his wife and would go home and spend time with her at different times. But these guys had sold out for Christ, Uh, They weren't casual, right? These guys were the guys, if you will, and literally there were going to be 11 of them that were going to be the ones that laid the foundation of the church. These were important men in the kingdom of God. And for Jesus to look at these men who loved him and had declared their love for him and say, one of you is going to betray me would have been shocking. I mean, there's no doubt that they would have begun to look around at each other and They would have thought, even of Judas, none of us. None of us are going to betray him. I mean, we've been on the road with him. We've gone out and we've done you know, evangelism for him. And man, God's used us in different ways, even Judas. But he says, one of you are going to betray me. Well, we kind of get how they feel. In verse 22, it says, being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, surely not I, Lord. And I kind of find that to be interesting because... It rocked them to the core so much that they certainly grieved, and we kinda of understand that to some degree, but for them to say, Not not me, Lord. I mean, I don't you see a little bit of what they're saying? To some degree, they're going, What I don't think it'd be me. Could it possibly me be me? I mean somebody's gonna betray you because you've said somebody you will, was it but surely it couldn't be me. And And I find that to be a little bit interesting because, you know, there's always this stuff in our life that we need to be careful of having. One of those things is pride. Man, pride is a killer. And I don't care whether you're a Christian, you're not a Christian, pride is a killer. Matter of fact, if you want to look like an idiot, walk around and display your pride. Because you may not, show yourself to be an idiot today but you will tomorrow or the day after that or the day after that because man there's some truth about us that we don't want to confess to sometimes right because we can tank pretty quick and we can do some pretty foolish things isn't it true or is that just about me because i promise you i can right well they were kind of unsure surely not i lord Jesus just says, he who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. And that wouldn't have necessarily been that clear because it would have been all of them. At least at some point in time, they would have taken their bread, dipped it in the bowl with some, some oil or vinegar or whatever they might have had, and they would have eaten that bread out of that bowl. Jesus would have done the same thing. It's possible that maybe it was at the same time, but literally they weren't quite sure who is going to betray him, even though he said that. He just says, one of you who's that close to me, one of you that has that kind of fellowship with me, one of you that loves me this much. I mean, we are gathered in a very intimate setting here, worshiping God, and one of you that claims to be intimate with me is going to betray me. Well, then Jesus says something I think is really interesting. The son of man is to go, just as it is written of him, But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Man, that is a crazy, crazy little phrase. Because in that verse right there, it talks about some things that we don't like to talk about very much. It talks about God's sovereignty, right? The Son of Man is going to go. As it is written of him, it has to go. He has to go this way. It has to happen this way. Jesus said, I have to be betrayed. It has to happen because that's God's will, right? But then he says, But woe to the man who betrays me. It would have been good for him not to have been born. And so we see God's sovereignty in this, right? We see that God's sovereign. He's moving this out. It's got to happen this way. There's no way to get around it happening this way. It's going to happen this way because God has said it's going to happen this way. But the guy that does it, he's going to be completely judged and experience the wrath of God. It would have been better for him had he not been born. If he'd not been born, he wouldn't be responsible for his decisions. So we see the free will in there, right? We see the choice that Judas is going to make, and it's going to cost him. And sometimes we like to talk about if God is sovereign, then there can't be any free will. If we are free to make our choices, then God can't be sovereign. But it's not true. God is working in this world, and we are accountable for God to God for the decisions that we make. And we should be at least a little bit humbled by that right? I mean, the the truth be known is that when we make these decisions, we make them based on whether we love God or not. Do you know that? The decisions that we make display whether we're going to love God or not. And that's where judgment comes from. I mean, really, those of us that love God, trust Christ. Those of us that don't love God don't trust Christ. Those of us that trust Christ make decisions based on Christ and his ways because we love him. Those of us that don't trust Christ make decisions based on our own ways because we don't love him. I know we don't like to make it that clear cut, but that's the way it is. That's the way that goes. And so here's Jesus saying, man, this has got to happen, but woe to the man that's going to make this happen. Because he's going to receive the wrath of God. His judgment is coming. There's no resisting it. And what's kind of scary to me is that, you know, there's plenty of people that say, you know, I don't love Jesus. I'm not going to love Jesus. I don't care to love Jesus. I love God, or I know God, or I believe in God, or whatever they want to say. There's tons of people. I can't tell you the number of people that tell me, oh, I believe in God, but I don't believe in Jesus, it can't be. It, it cannot be. It's not possible for you to believe in God and not believe in Jesus because God and Jesus are one. If you go to John chapter 14, and I'm not going to take the time to go there, but you should read John chapter 14. Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. You can't see Jesus and not see the Father. You can't see the Father and not see Jesus. That's not the way it works. They're one. And so, man, we have, this, we have this situation here, right, where this guy Judas probably says he believes in God, but he doesn't believe in Jesus. Jesus has made some bold claims. Jesus has claimed to be the Messiah. Jesus is living in a way that nobody else would live. Jesus is not going to reign on the earth. He's going to go die, he says. Why would I want to be a part of a guy that's going to go die? Why would I want to be a part of a kingdom that that gives up that easy, that fails that quickly? Why would I want to be a part of this thing? I'm not having Jesus. I don't want to follow Jesus. Matter of fact, later on as we read through this, we're going to see him say, Hail, Rabbi, when he comes to betray Jesus. And it was his way of saying, You're not Lord to me, you're just a teacher. The rest of the disciples called him Lord. And man, Jesus says, It's going to happen. It has to happen this way. I have to be betrayed. And then you go, well, well, why would he put that in here? Why would he put that in there? Why would we need to know that Jesus had to be betrayed? It was written that he would. Why? Well, because this picture of betrayal is for all of us. Don't you think that Judas was the only one who ever betrayed Jesus. I mean, anyone that has rejected Jesus has betrayed Jesus. Anyone that has scorned Jesus has betrayed Jesus. Anyone that has rejected the rule of Christ has betrayed Jesus. They've given him over that he might suffer and die rather than you submit to him. And truthfully, all of us, before we came to know Jesus Christ, had betrayed him. No no, no question about it. I mean, we are and I say this a lot, but it's so true. We live in a society today that goes, we're not that bad. Nobody's that bad. Nobody's that horrible. Nobody's that sinful. And we really kind of get to the place where we decide that, you know, people really don't need a savior because they're not that bad. We didn't really betray Jesus. We didn't have anything to do with that. You know, we kind of, we're good people. We kind of love God. We don't really deserve God's judgment, but that's not what Jesus is saying about Judas. And that's not what he says about us. When we reject God and we reject reject Jesus Christ, we betray him. Listen to what Romans 3, 10 through 12 is, and there's more of this, but I just chose these few verses. It says, as it is written, there is none righteous. Let me read that again. There is none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become useless. There is none who does good. There's not even one. Now those verses, man, they're clear, aren't they? But they're clearly true. The only way to say that anyone is good and hasn't rejected or even betrayed Christ is to say that sin is okay. It's to say that it's okay to lie, steal, cheat, judge, condemn, betray, you pick it. If you say that people are good on their own, you have to say that sin is not bad. And it's not true. Sin is destructive. And if you've ever been betrayed by anybody, if you've ever betrayed anybody, you know, you know how bad it is, right? Matter of fact, Judas even tried to say, "Certainly not I. Look at verse 25. And Judas, who was betraying him, said, surely it is not I, Rabbi. And Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. When you were over there with the chief priest thinking you were sneaky, asking what they'd give you to betray me, you said it, you're my betrayer, right? But isn't it shocking that it had to be that way? I mean, Jesus wants us to know that, man, we live in a level of betrayal. We live at a level where we would give up Christ for our own selfish gain. We have to be careful of who we are. There's some of you here that don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And man, you're living for whatever you can besides Jesus. It might be money, it might be power, it might be freedom in your eyes, it might be the pleasure of sin. I don't know what it is, but you're living, betraying Jesus Christ, and you don't even realize it, and you need to see it. <clears throat> and it's right here in his scriptures, it's right here in his word. He wants us to see that he had to be betrayed. He'd been betrayed. He was going to be betrayed, because that's what sinners do. That's what sinners do to a holy God. Well, let's go down. We're going to skip some verses. Let's go down to verse 31. <clears throat> I don't have time to go through the whole passage. You'll be thankful for that. So we're going to skip over where Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, but we'll get back to that on Good Friday when we do that service later this this year. Verse 31, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered." But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing. So now we move down further. And not only has Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. But now, after they have this intimate time and they're headed out to the garden and they're headed out to the, the Mount of Olives and to the Garden of Gethsemane, as they're going, Jesus stops and said, this very night, you will all be scattered from me. This very night, you'll all be scattered from me because you'll all fall away from me. Because it's written, I'll strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. In other words, he says once again, it has to happen this way. It has to happen this way. It has to happen that Judas betrays me. It has to happen that you all scattered because it's written, because God has said this is gonna happen this way. And that's a little bit shocking to me. Can you you imagine still now you've heard from Jesus that he's about to die. It's less than 24 hours. It's late at night, the night before he's gonna be on a cross at nine o'clock in the morning. He has a few hours before he's crucified. This is intense time. He's about to go out there and pray his heart out after this. And he's already said, one of you are going to betray me. And then he says, now all of you are going to fall away from me. And the disciples must be thinking, what in the world is taking place? One of us would betray you. And now you tell all of us are going to fall away. And we kind of know how that goes because, because Peter says, man, there's no way. Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And he must have meant that, don't you think? Like I said, they loved Jesus. They'd follow Jesus. They were committed to Jesus. Peter was the first one to publicly say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the one. He's made that declaration. This is not any casual follower. But I got to tell you, Peter apparently didn't know himself as well as Christ did. That's a little bit shocking. I hope that's shocking to us. I mean, there's some of us in here that we're convinced that we're strong, that we're faithful, that we're sound, that we're committed, that we're even willing to just sacrifice and go wherever God calls us to go or do whatever God wants us to do. But is that really true? I mean, is our continued faithfulness as a follower of Christ based on what we think of ourselves. Because man, if it is, we could be in trouble. Right? We could be in trouble. I mean, we're not a people that that really want to suffer. I mean, we live in the day and age in America where if you're a Christian and any kind of hardship comes your way in the name of Jesus, you immediately go, God's unfair. Why would God demand this of me? Why would God ask this of me? Isn't it true? But the scripture says when they strike down the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. In other words, when they persecute Christ, those associated with Christ are going to scatter. because there's a price to follow Jesus. Just last week, I got an email from the lead pastor in Congo asking me to pray for one of the pastors that we have walked with for the last 14, 15 years, Pastor Eric. He pastors in a place called Manono. Manono is a southern, western tip of the triangle of death. On the, the eastern side of Congo. It's a vile place. It's a scary place. It's a place where the militia come through and the government comes through and they take child soldiers and they burn down villages and they do horrible things. It's a tough place. But this is a faithful young pastor, very godly, very humble man. But he got arrested last week. Because in Congo, everything's corrupt. And if you can manipulate somebody else and take their land from them, you do. So somebody falsely accused pastor and his church of not buying a land for ever, which they did, but only buying it for a few years. And now those few years are up and the church is illegally on the property and they accuse them of that publicly and the prosecutor in the region or whatever he is threw him in prison. They didn't stone him in prison. They beat him. I don't know how many times. I don't know. It breaks my heart. If you knew this kid, he's humble, he's gracious, he loves Jesus. Last thing I knew about him, is he was trying to start a hospital type thing next to his church because there is no health care anywhere in his region. It takes him at least a week to travel to our to our training in Lubumbashi, sometimes two weeks. And so if somebody's sick and hurting in Monono, no, they die. More times than not, they die. Because there's no health care for them. But now he's been thrown in prison and beaten just because of Jesus. Now by the grace of God they got him out yesterday. Our lead pastor is a man that Knows a lot of people by the grace of God, and somehow he called some other officials at the Capitol, and they sent some guys and got got my brother out. But only because, only because of Jesus was he arrested. And not even that much. But here we go. I would never, I would never fall away. I would never fall away. Are you sure? Have you ever thought through the scenarios of what would happen if you got persecuted because of Jesus? I think most of us probably have at some shallow levels because we don't talk about Jesus. We don't bring him up. We don't want somebody at work to make fun of us. We don't want our supervisor at work to maybe threaten us our jobs because of Jesus. We've already decided we're going to fall away. We've already decided we're going to be scattered. We have already decided that Jesus isn't worth it. We might say, I'll never, I'll never fall away. But when push comes to shove and we have to stand for Jesus' name, how many of us actually do? Matter of fact, it's so common in America today that we don't even think it's wrong. Most people say, well, God would not expect us to suffer. God doesn't expect us to stand. He doesn't expect us to put ourselves out there. He doesn't expect us to actually stand when somebody's persecuting Christ around us. Isn't that true? God understands that we're not going to be faithful. Is that true? Because God does not expect us to be unfaithful, He expects us to stand, doesn't He? But Jesus said, it has to happen for you guys to fall away. Now, I want you to see this. It's kind of cool because when he says that, that the sheep will be scattered, the flock will be scattered. After that, he says, but after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. I love that because that's a stark contrast between what he said about Judas. You betray me would have been better for you not to have been born. You scatter and don't stand, know this, I'm going to go ahead of you, but you're going to find me in Galilee when I'm raised from the dead. There's some grace to those that struggle sometimes, right? Don't hear me and say there's not, but also don't hear me and say that there shouldn't be a level of commitment from us that is a little bit deeper than sometimes we often show, right? Because Peter goes on, he says, and I love this. I love Peter, man. He, He's just bold and brash. Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Never fall away. And all the other disciples said the same thing, right? That's what they said. But Jesus looked at Peter and said, before the rooster crows tonight, you'll have done it three times. Listen, we ought to take note of this, by the way, because just because we have this bravado, just because we can say, oh, I'd never do it doesn't mean that we ought not be careful and humble ourselves before God. I'm here to tell you, you want to learn how to walk with Jesus? Don't tell me how great and strong and powerful you are. Tell me how needy you are and how great and strong and powerful Jesus is in you. I couldn't care less what you think of yourself. I couldn't care less how strong you think you are. I couldn't care less how strong you, you, you've you shown to be. I couldn't care less. You want to be a powerful Christian, you fill up with Christ. That's where power comes from. If you fill up with you, you got zip, nothing. Jesus said, I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I, and, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. <clears throat> and so, man, some of us here today need to hear what Jesus is saying. This has got to happen because It has to happen this way so that we can see that it does happen. And it's happening all over our church. It's happening all over our our nation. It's happening all over our world where Christians, rather than really standing when persecution comes, Christians are folding. They're giving it up. They're turning aside. They're silencing themselves. They're not giving any glory to Jesus Christ. They're giving all the glory to them. And they think that it's okay, and it's not okay. Because one of these days... You got to sit before Jesus after you do that, like Peter did. And you got to hear Jesus say, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter's like, you know, Lord, you know I do. Uh Uh-huh. Feed my sheep. Show me. Peter, do you love me more than these? Lord, you know. Tend my lambs. Show me. Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter's heart is just broken. That Jesus has to ask him. But he has to ask him all three times. Lord, you know. Tend my sheep. Peter, get back after it. Be about what I've called you to be. And I love that it had to happen this way so that we could see Even clearly in the scripture that sometimes, man, we are called to stand by Christ and we're not going to do it. And we need to be aware that when that time comes, we need Christ more than ever. You're never going to witness. You're never going to stand firm. You're never going to be what God created you to be until you're ready to stand in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of Jesus Christ. You're never going to do it. They couldn't do it then. We can't do it now. But We can do it with Christ. Amen. Let's skip some more scripture. Let's go on down to verse 46. This time we're skipping over the place where where Jesus takes James and John and uh, Peter, James, and John and he takes them to the garden. He says, come with me. I'm going to go pray. My heart is grieving to the point of death and I need to pray. So you guys stay here and watch and watch and pray with me. And Jesus goes on to pray and he prays this prayer. Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus begins to just agonize before the Father. He knows what's coming. He knows he's about to become the sin of the world. He knows he's about to be stripped and beaten and crucified. He knows he's about to be separated from the Father. He knows. And he's just praying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And we come to the end of that, and Jesus comes back, Peter, James, and John, they've fallen asleep. They couldn't stay awake with him for even one hour. And in verse 46, it says, get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12, came up accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs who came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he's the one, seize him. And immediately Judas went went to Jesus and said, hail, rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, friend, Do what you've come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. I love this little passage of scripture because Jesus prays and he gets off his knees and he's a different man. He's like, get up. The time is at hand. The son of man is about to be betrayed. Get up. I'm ready. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, he was agonizing before the father. Yep, he's like, if there's any other way, Lord, let it pass. But Lord, there's no other way. This is your will. I'm ready now. And he tells him, Get up. The betrayer's at hand. And he goes on, the large crowds come out, you know, and, and Peter's already told him it's the one I kiss. It's dark out there. How are they gonna know which one Jesus is? And he walks up to Jesus and he says this offensive thing hail, Rabbi. It's sarcasm. It's offensive. And he kisses him. And Jesus says to him, friend, do what you came here to do. I find that to be amazing. I'm not kidding. I, I find that to be so amazing. How in the world did he call that guy friend? And you know the Lord meant it. You know he meant it. He loved him. He loved Judas. Judas. And you think, how in the world could he love this man who is betraying him to death? Well, here's how you here's how you love like that. You know it had to happen that way. You know that you're in God's will. You know that God is in this. You know that God is with you. You know that God's going to move in your life. If you don't know God, if you don't have a relationship with God, then there's no way in the world you're ever going to love somebody that has betrayed you. You're never going to love somebody who has broken your heart. You're never going to love somebody that's treated you poorly. You have to know that it had to happen this way. Do you not know that there are things in your life that are going to come as a result of God working in your life that are going to be difficult and hard to handle? If you don't know God's in that, then you're going to hate everything about it, including God. Isn't that where some of us are today? We're offended by God. We're offended by God because something happened in our life that we didn't want to happen in our life. And all of a sudden, God's not with us. God has somehow left us alone. He's forsaken us. He's not a good God. He's not a big God. And yet here's Jesus being betrayed by a wicked man. And he's able to say, friend, do what you came to do. It has to happen this way. I'm here because God wants me to be here. He wants me to accomplish something through this suffering that wasn't my way or my will, but it's going to be for God's glory and for the salvation of the world. It has to happen this way. Now, one of the things that goes on too often among believers is this resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness that builds up because we won't forgive. And maybe that's not true of any of you, but it's something that I have to battle. I have to work at forgiveness. How about you? Do you know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is when you won't hold it against them any longer when you'll no longer be offended at their offense when you'll no longer be mad at their the way they've treated you when you'll no longer look at them and go i'm angry at that person because they did something to me 5 minutes ago 5 days ago 5 months ago 5 years ago jesus wasn't angry at Judas, that wrath was going to come. Jesus was walking in the way God wanted him to walk. It had to happen that way. Let it happen. Do what you've got to do. I'm going to the cross. I'm resolved. It's what God wants me to do, and I'm going to refuse and refuse to be hateful in it. Wouldn't that be awesome? To be set free from bitterness from resentment, from hatred. Wouldn't it be amazing to actually accept the forgiveness that God has offered us because that's what he does. He doesn't hold it against us any longer. Never again does Christ hold our sins against us once we're forgiven. And man, wouldn't it be awesome just to offer that forgiveness to those around us? Jesus said, friend, do what you gotta do because it had to happen that way. And then listen, listen to what happens after that. They come, they seize him, verse 51 says, and behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. (laughs) I love that. That's my kind of thing. I mean, yeah, I just told you they were committed to him, right? They were, pretty, they were pretty committed. They're like, well, man, if they're going to seize him, I'm going to fight for him. And he just takes out his sword. He's probably aiming for his neck and hit his ear. You know, like, wow, well, I'm not that great with a sword. I haven't had that much practice, apparently. But, you know, you would think that would be honorable, right? Let's fight for our Savior. What does Jesus say? Put your sword back in its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Man, we... We I to really kind of hear that one. That's almost a sermon on its own. I won't go that far. <laughs> You're like, thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Listen, I know there's a whole bunch of you sitting in this room that go, my security and my future are based in the way I control my situation. Probably not with a sword, but quite possibly with a gun. I'm going to have it, it's going to be my protection, it's going to be my offense, it's going to be what gets me through, right? We live in Wyoming, don't we? I don't even want to know how many of you have a gun with you this morning, more than a few, and I'm really okay with that, as long as you're not living by the gun, because you're going to die by the gun. Life is not based on physical actions and protection, it's based on Christ, That's what he's saying. You live by the sword, you live by the gun, you die by the gun, you die by the sword. That's how that works. You live by Christ, you live by Christ. That's how that works. And I don't know about you, but I choose Christ. We gotta be careful what we think. Life is bound up in Christ Jesus. And if you've got him, you've got enough. Hallelujah. And we can discuss that later, because some of you want to. Come talk to me about it. Bring your Bible. Bring your Bible when you come. Okay? Well, he goes on. I love this. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Man, don't you love the fact that Jesus was not worried about being defended? You cut the guy's ear off. Woo-hoo. We know from the other Gospels, he put it back on, <laughs> which was far more impressive than cutting it off, right? He's like, you don't have to defend me. It has to happen this way. I could call 12 legions of angels. Man, when Sennacherib attacked Jerusalem, One angel killed 180,000 people. One. What would 12 legions of angels do? You couldn't touch him. Man, I love it. Back when Elisha was still around, right? And the... the king of Aram has found out that Elisha has been telling the king of Israel all of his locations. So the king of Aram brings this whole army and surrounds the village that's around Elisha. And the servant of Elisha goes out in the morning. And here's the, here's the army of Aram. And he's like, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, woe is me. We're going to die. Elisha's like, ah, no, wait. Lord, show him. And like God pulls back the veil. And there's chariots and horses of fire all around the army of Aram and Elisha's like no life life does not consist of physical force there's something so much bigger than a sword, It's so much stronger than a gun we don't have to be afraid our God's got us do you believe that? Don't you understand what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is indignant. He's indignant that he would pull his sword out. He's offended by him pulling his sword out as if God isn't in control here, as if God doesn't have it here, as if God isn't going to make this happen. And then in verse 40, 54, it says, how then will the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen this way? Basically, Jesus is saying to them, I've got to go to the cross. I've got to go to the cross. You're not going to stop me going to the cross. I've chosen to go to the cross. God called me to go to the cross. I was born to go to the cross. I've got to go to the cross because if I don't go to the cross, cross, none of you, none of you will be saved. It's the craziest thing to me. It's so humbling to me. I mean, I've thought about this for years and years and preached this thing for years and years. I still come to these places and I see Jesus and he's already suffering. One of his own men has betrayed him. All of his men are going to leave him and he knows it. He knows, he knows what's coming and yet he's there trusting the Father giving his life, loving us, loving us, longing to save us at the ultimate cost. It has to happen this way. No one can stop it. No one should want to. Everyone, everyone should want me to go to the cross. It has to happen this way. And then we'll finish. It says, at that time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place to fulfill what the scriptures, to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets Then all the disciples left him and fled. It looks at the crowds and say, I used to sit in the temple. I did everything publicly. I didn't hide anything from anybody. Yet these wicked religious leaders, they've sent you out in the middle of the night to arrest me like I'm a robber. But it had to happen this way. It had to happen that the world would look at Jesus and instead of worshiping him, they'd crucify him. It had to happen that way because if it hadn't happened that way, God could not be just and yet justify sinners. It had to happen that way because if Christ hadn't gone to the cross, there'd be no hope for you and I today. There'd be no forgiveness for you and I today. There'd be no life for you and I today. There'd be no peace joy or security. There'd be nothing. So we'd be separated from God forever. man, As hard as it is to see all that Jesus had to go through, aren't you thankful? Some of you are here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus. Not ever. I mean, salvation comes by faith in Jesus. He did everything that needed to be done for us to be saved. There is nothing else and until you come to that place and go, yes, Lord Jesus, I believe that you alone can save me and that you will, then, man, you're separated from him. You're still under condemnation. But you don't have to be because he came for you. He gave his life for you. You gotta trust him. Christian, what about you, though, as we see these passages of scriptures and we... We look at the realization that, man, we can fall away. We can kind of miss Jesus. We can treat him like he's not worth suffering for, like he's not worth sacrificing for. We can treat him like he should be the one that just, you know, is our personal little servant whenever we need him, but we should never give anything to him. We can do that. But that's not the best relationship. The best relationship is that when you're with him, you walk with him and you give up yourself, you give up your time, you give up your pride, you trust him. And in that faith and in that walk, man, you find a strength that the world doesn't have. You literally recognize that no matter what happens and what you have to suffer and what you have to go through, If it had to happen that way, God was in it and God was with you, and you're going to be fine. When you go through life, you stop telling Christ you're not worth it, and you start telling Christ he's worth it all, man, there is a level of life that begins to take place in us that can't be had any other way. Some of you are pretty empty. Some of you feel like you're empty. You're wondering where some peace and some comfort and some hope comes from. It comes from walking with Jesus. It's not going to come any other way. And I'm not talking about part time walking. I'm not talking about you deciding when to walk. I'm talking about walking every day, every way, everywhere. Let's make some decisions. He's worth it, isn't he? If you're his follower, if he's your savior, he's worth it, even to death. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us, giving us life. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, it's hard sometimes to see that it had to happen that way, that you had to be betrayed, and you're... Disciples had to fall away, that you had to be arrested, that you had to go to the cross. It is hard to see that sometimes. And yet, thank you, thank you, thank you that you went, that you wanted to go, that you desired to save us, that you desired to give us life. Lord, help us see you as you really are. You're so incredible, so worthy of worship, so worthy of service. You're worthy of our lives. Help us give them, Lord God. And Lord, I ask that you would just move in a very, very powerful way to draw the lost and even the saved to you today. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's sing. <laughs>
3: Mercies are new every morning, and your mercies are new right now. By your grace, we are saved. Hallelujah! By your grace, being saved right now. By your grace, being saved right now. Amen. 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 This is why we worship you. This is why we sing your praise.
2: Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thanks for the chance to be here to worship you, to get to know you, to hear your words. Lord, keep working on us, we pray. Draw us near to Christ. Please be gracious to those that don't know you and draw them to salvation soon, Lord, quick. And Lord, as we go from this place, let us take your good news about Christ into this world that others might come to know you as well. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name.